0: The following audio is recorded at the 2018 Northwest Leaders Retreat. Take your Bibles out and turn to Exodus chapter 14. Um, bear with me because I had some thoughts last night, and then after all we went through last night, and all my conversations, I went home totally completely changed it right Uh, so uh, it could actually not make a lot of sense but sometimes you just go you know i don't want to talk about this Uh, let's talk about this Uh, and i want to talk about moses the israelites and god and the interplay they have between god's guidance of them and their following and when to move and when not to move and that seems to be what everyone is saying let's move forward and it seems to be what icfc point two point one is about too Amen? amen But I want to pick up, in Exodus 14, the Israelites have been miraculously released from bondage. I mean, it's it's something they could never even fathom. And it happened. And so here they are, and they're following Moses' lead, and they're charging out there all faith, and they're singing and writing songs and glorifying God. They're a little scared, but they're just grateful they're not... Oppressed anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they turn around, and God changes Pharaoh's heart. And he wakes up and says, After all God did to completely wreck Pharaoh, he wakes up and says, You know what? I, I shouldn't have let them go. Let's go get So he runs out there. And then the Israelites turn around and they see him. And we pick up in the story. And I think we'll see some lessons for us today as we lead our churches and our ministries. Amen? Amen. Exodus 14, starting in verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they feared greatly. The people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? You'll notice in Exodus, there's a whole bunch of emotional overstatements. That's why. Like, are you serious? But that's where they went, amen? amen. That's where people go when they're in despair. Amen. Verse 12, is, it, is this not what we said in Egypt? We must alone, we may serve the Egyptians. That's one way of putting what they were doing. <laughs> for it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see how the salvation of the Lord which he will work out for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea, and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, so that they shall see. Go in after them, and I will set, get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots, his horses. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horses. This is a great story, isn't it? Yeah. Um, God went on, as we know, to, to do some amazing things, parted the Red Sea, let them cross over, boom, Red Sea folded in on the Egyptians, they were done. I mean, imagine, look at that water, and and multiply it maybe two or three times that way, and that's what they had to cross over. Just imagine that. Mm. It's amazing. And God did it in a way that they could see and go, wow, you really can do anything, right? Yeah. Verse 15 is interesting to me, though. He says, why are you crying out to me? He says that to Moses. And I say, you know, it must have been hard to be Moses Yeah. because he's just trying his best. He disciples the people. He says, hey, God can do it. They're crying out, he's crying out, and then he gets in trouble for them. Yeah. Why are you doing this? I mean, wow, right? God's got high expectations. And there's some things he's doing in there that maybe Moses didn't see. Uh, but why? basically what he's saying is, why are you all standing here talking about the trouble? Pack your stuff up and move forward. That's all he's saying. And he's talking to the leader, Moses. Who i think is sincerely on the behalf of his people crying out for wisdom and guidance here Mm -hmm. but even he wasn't getting it right even he was like look you're talking too much you're literally standing there talking too much get your stuff and move forward (laughs) yeah must have been really tough to be Moses and on top of all this totally different lesson he couldn't even go in the promised land (laughs) yeah seriously when i see him in heaven i'm just going to say dude or you're my hero, because you inspire me. You got nothing that everyone else was promised, and you're in heaven, and you're awesome. Amen? Yeah. But here's the thing that God was trying to say. I have promised victory over and over and over. And every time I promise it, you see that it happens exactly the way I said it would happen. So why, in the face of a little trouble, are you asking the same questions? It's human. If we ever go, hey, we can never cry out to God and ask him or complain. Good luck with that. Mm-hmm. But the lesson here is, he's God, we're not. Why are you talking like this? Mm-hmm. Moses and the Israelites were standing there in great fear. And here's the thing, they were frozen. They weren't moving. They were praying for guidance, and that seems spiritual. But at this time, it's a little offensive to God. Mm-hmm. Stop talking and praying and just see what I'm trying to show you. I also think, that when God says something like that to Moses, why are you crying out? He could be actually talking to all of them through Moses. He could be saying to you, why is your church not doing so well? But what he might be trying to say is, why are you and everyone behind you in your church stuck? Mm -hmm. Well, we are the face of the church. We lead the church. We lead the ministries. So we get that from God. Sometimes we get the brunt of things from God. And we have to learn the lessons to take back to the people. But here's the thing, why are they standing still? Verse 10 says, they were fearful. I get it. They look up on the hill, there's the Egyptians, they're like, "Uh uh-oh. And in the NIV, I like it better in the NIV because it says they were terrified. (laughs) Uh, That's a little better. Have you ever been terrified? Terrified means dread or intimidation or frightened. It's, it's awful. And when we feel terrified, we do one of two things, generally, okay? When we're terrified, if we see something right there that terrifies us, we usually don't go, you know what, bring it on and just charge right into it. We don't do that. We do one of two things. We either stop and go back the way we came and just run that way, which by the way, they couldn't do because the Egyptians were over there, Yeah, Yeah. Right? That would have been tough.
1: So they had the other option
0: that we have in this case, they just did nothing. They stood there frozen, terrified, mm-hmm. contemplating their situation, but kind of getting nowhere. And those are the things that we do. Both options, if you read the Bible, aren't right, but we're human, and it's understandable, and we're always working on it. And I asked myself, we all lead ministries in here. Even the guys in here that are, are, have secular jobs like Reuben, you lead ministries, we lead people. We're, we, we're here because we want to advance these ministries. Yeah. We're here because we want to do good things. We want to see God glorified. Yeah. We like this room to multiply, so we have to go two times that way. That's why we're here. Yeah. Our churches spend money so we can be here because they want to be there too. Right. Yeah. So our hearts are, are in, the, in the, good, the right spot. But there are things that terrify us as ministers. Now you may have your own list. The things that terrify ministers. Here's a few of them. Don't be terrified. When I read this, okay? <laughs> the things that can terrify us and just get us to go, I'm not sure what to do here. So I'm just going to sit and complain, cry out, and everything in between. Uh, expectations to grow. Mm. You ever have someone ask you that, bro, why is your church not growing? Mm. You know what? I'm sitting at a different table. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, um, you get terrified by the question. I, I used to go to conferences where. Um, I mean, I'm glad we don't do this anymore. But remember the conferences where you had to stand up if your church grew, and then stay standing up, <laughs> or no, stand up if your church didn't grow, and stay standing up. Yeah. Remember those things? Yeah. Oh, Steve, I've been to a couple, and then and then I went to one where I won't say what city it was it. I went in, I went to one where you'd stay standing up, and then everyone laid hands on you uh, well, around well, you, and then you were clearly yeah. not doing well. <laughs> <Then laughs> wow! Well. Criticism can terrify you. You ever be criticized by someone in your church? Mm-hmm. And it just knocks the wind out of your sail. Seriously, <laughs> doctrinal snacks. You know what I'm talking about. You're just cruising along, churches grow out, and then someone says, hey, uh, is it okay? I'm gonna email you a paper I wrote later on today. Nice. And you're like, a paper? Seriously? You know what that means. <laughs> or you get this guy in the fellowship that goes, Hey, you know what? I have studied something out. Yeah, I'd love to talk with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That usually means... I to teach you that. Though. It just okay. became a long month. That's <laughs> what that means, right? It can get you terrified. Uh, sin? You wake up one day and you go, Are serious Christians do that? I thought this was the church of God. That is unbelievable. Pagans don't do what, what's going on in my church right now. Sometimes. I've seen that. Well, Lack of growth, lack of resources. I know what terrifies this group because I've seen all the surveys. You know what it is mostly? I don't have any money. I mean, it's, it's a real problem. I'm not making light of it, but it's terrifying because then you don't know what to do. People walking away, yeah. mm-hmm. every person that walks away, it, it just terrifies you. because you, not, not because know what people think, but because you just don't want to see people leave. Yeah. Unfortunately, in Seattle, something happened I've never seen happen. And that's an elder who walked away. Yeah. yeah. Um. Greg and Fantasia walked away from the church. I'm telling you because they're very connected to this group. Yeah. And I've been, I've been encouraged to tell you because you see things on Facebook, whether it's them or their children, yeah. 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 and I get a phone call, and I'm just going to tell you, it's not. I don't even care about none of the details, but it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. What happened? Mm-hmm. Why would that actually happen? Come on, brother. What's going on? least yeah. yeah, right. you just want to sit and go well i'll just cry out right mm-hmm. people moving away Yep. Um, some of your dear friends move away it's hard ministry fatigue mm. yeah. getting older while people get younger mm. remember when I, I remember when someone said hey you know you know you're old when the college students are twice your age. Well that now you know you're old when the college students are three times your age. three you're three times your age. It's super fun. When you can do yeah. I love Steve man. <laughs> Steve's here. Yeah, um, your methods get old get older while paradigms of motivation seem to get younger. Mm. That the guys talked about that last night. You come up with this plan and you roll it out and people go, that's so <laughs> right, Lack of training, you can feel that, especially when you get with that guy who wrote the paper, who wants to coffee with you, then you're terrified because you're like, I don't even know what he's talking about. I can't refute this. <laughs> <laughs> am, I, am I just I'm talking, right? No, no. 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 Oh, right, no right. Bro, on, even right. I had a Bible study challenge. You're like, I'm going that out. It's terrifying, right? Yes. Especially when you grow up in the ICOC and you're told that you need to know everything about everything all right. the time. Right. <laughs> it's super terrifying. Okay, enough of the terrifying list. You can talk about it later, your groups are terrifying (laughs) too. Uh, Those are just a few and there's more. But it's never an option to stand still. It's never an option, even though it seems spiritual, just to pray and cry out. It's always the right option to keep moving in the direction that God's trying to take us. Who are we as a Northwest group? I want to talk about this for a little bit. And we're going to be very uncomfortable, but we'll be very uncomfortable together. And if you're going to throw out stuff like this, you might want to be sitting in leather sofas, which you are, right? (laughs) So you're comfortable. We're 19 churches, and that includes, I hope this isn't uncomfortable, it includes a little group from Montana that we're trying to help get reconciled and everything with another group from Montana. There's 19 churches, 1,929 disciples. Almost 2,000 disciples, that's a lot of people. It sounds like a lot, but here's the thing, the number continues to shrink. Mm. At the end of 2017, so this time last year, our membership was 1981. It's almost 60 less. At the end of 2016, our membership was 2012. It's almost 100. So, no, oh, I'm mean, the dude was going to bring up statistics. That's not what I'm doing. Good. In fact, no, in fact right. let's go, man. Be careful with statistics, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't let them ruin your day, and don't let a day or a month's worth ruin anything. Yeah. Yeah. But there is something to trend, yeah. Yeah. especially over three years. That's right. And the trend here is that we're moving in the wrong direction. Yeah. Right. We're shrinking, right. not growing. And when I say us, I mean we so that is something that is what you do with statistics you go boy i'm I'm graphing this on a chart and we're going down not good Mm -hmm. Uh, do we feel like that's not good yeah Yeah, 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 of course we do we want to know where we're heading and i can't we just can't avoid talking about it as a family we have to God tells in verse 15 to move forward, and I just want to throw out two things today. And there's all kinds of things we can talk about, but I'd rather save it for our groups, we'll pro- hopefully have a, a good time in our group before we get into the really exciting stuff, like 2.1 structural stuff, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah. Number one is move forward. We need to, as a church, as a we need to move forward in humility. Yeah. Amen. Here's what I heard last night, it was so good. What I heard last night, was people going, hey, human nature's the same, but practices aren't timeless. Mm-hmm. They change, yeah. they evolve. Let's stay relevant. Let's stay on the cutting edge. Things may change, and don't get wedded to your practices because they, they're constantly evolving, and it's okay that they evolve. I was so inspired last night yeah. by those three guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was awesome. And so we gotta keep talking about that stuff. We gotta yeah. keep moving in that direction. I was inspired when Matt said when he listed out very very impressively listed out the order of service in all of our churches. Right? Yes. <clears throat> and, and there was maybe a little bitterness in there somewhere no, in Matt. <laughs> kind of aggressively, uh, right? Edgy. Edgy, yeah, whatever you want to call it. But then I thought, you know what? I don't care anymore. Scramble at my worship services. Hey, tell me Matt. things I don't know. Right? Um, just don't make me... I used to be a charismatic. So please don't make me dance down the aisle. And don't make me raise my hands. If I want to raise my hands, <laughs> great. But don't there make you me. Right? Why do I bring that up? There's one thing that's not timeless. Or that is timeless. There's one thing that transcends all generations. And there's one thing that any generation doesn't have it they're absolutely cooked it's humility beginning of time end of time you cannot skip that one i don't care how old you are how young you are no humility not cool right
1: i want to reiterate
0: what we said in spokane if there's anybody in here that says i don't want to sign up for that come talk to me Raise your hand now, let's talk about it. I I don't care, but we need to talk about it. We agreed to something in Spokane that was super inspiring to me. We agreed to five values that we're going to live by. Now, we're not into, I'm over your church, you're over that church, you're over that church. And, And what I tried to explain by the group ride thing is that we all ride differently. It's okay, let's just ride together as a group. Together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember, I showed the pictures of guys yeah. like popping wheelies and then some guy cruising on his hog really slow. We all ride differently. We all build churches and ministries differently. Mm-hmm. But we have to work together and be influenced by each other. And if we're not, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. So here's what we said number one was give permission, give people permission to be honest and open invitation to talk about the things you see in my life. Mm-hmm. I hope nobody disagrees. I invite you, especially if you know me and know my church, it helps if you know me and know my church, to tell me what you see. I hope no one agree, disagrees with that. Amen. If, if, if they do, I feel sorry for your church. Mm-hmm. Number two is an attitude of help me in my ministry. grow. on. That's why we're here. Hopefully we can all stand up and say, help me grow. Right? A learner's heart. Number three, we said we're going to commit ourselves in our church to contribute to the needs of this group. I was. That's why I asked, what do you have in your church that maybe the Northwest could be blessed by? That was such a killer list, you guys. Everyone that has a problem, there's someone that could probably help just in the Northwest if we just would talk to each other. So contribute. Well, I don't have any money. Look, find the money. I know a guy in another church, in another family of churches, that said, I, have, I want to go around and I want to... Minister to everyone in my family if he's another chairman, but it's gonna cost a lot of money, we don't have it, and they won't give it, they don't have it. So he asked, he stood up and told his church, if anyone wants to contribute to me going around and helping our family and churches with this one issue, if you think it's important, come talk to me. Some guy walked up to him and said, I'll fund the whole thing. Uh, the blank check, I'll fund every flight, I'll fund I'll fund every you know, vapor of gas you use. Wow. Go do it, and he went off and got with every church and taught them about something. It was amazing. It was just it was a layperson. Wow. so awesome. Sometimes we just don't ask, right? Yeah. Another thing is commit to put the needs of my people above the needs of my own. God help us if we're ever a block to our people getting help. God help us if we're ever sitting here going, look, my job security is a whole lot more important than what these people yeah. need, so, so back off. I mean, seriously, yes. that's not a shepherd's heart, yeah. Right? Yeah. That, that's not a good leader's heart. Talk about you, a, yeah. you could do that, and, and no one in here can make you do anything, but that will eventually kind of, will catch up with you, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. it's not yeah. good. So we want to all agree that, hey, my needs are one thing, but those people behind me, those, those are who I represent. Amen. And lastly, be unified with decisions that work for the majority of the group, even if I disagree. That's just what we want to do. This is a family here, and there's a bunch of opinionated leaders. So if we all agree on something and we really talk about it, let's just all agree on it. And it's good. And you're like, if you agree with that, say amen. Amen. Did anybody not say amen? If you agree with that, say amen. amen. So if you agree with that, say amen even louder. Amen. Okay. Remember that because the ICFC 2.1. We're now at the point where we're going to all have to put money in a pot together. So. We, See what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, for the Northwest, not for the East. We'll talk about that. <laughs> 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 we'll talk about that. Okay, two. Actually, here's what. Here's my go-found. Here's my go What? Where are you at? Where's your ministry at? Where's your faith at? Where's your growth at? Where are you at personally? Where do you want to be? This is a great place to get help. It's a great place to talk about it. Be humble, Find up what you don't have, and ask someone who has it, and learn. And that's what I want to do. The second thing is, let's move, move your faith and your expectation forward. In verse 15, God tells the Israelites to move forward. The crazy thing about that is when they start moving forward, they see the Red Sea. They're like we're walking but there's something in our way so they don't even see the destination they don't even see a path to the destination mm. and that really is the essence of faith I'm going to start moving in the direction God wants me to move and I don't see a way over I don't see the other side I don't see the glory in it but I trust God I know that's where it is for me I want Seattle to do things that I can't see right now. Mm -hmm. In fact, when I think about it, it really stretches my faith. But that's the point. Mm -hmm. Stepping out in faith means you're stepping out with assurance and the confidence that God's going to do something no matter what you see. And I think he just wants us to believe even more. He wants our faith to be really high. Mm -hmm. He wants us not to see and then believe, but to believe and then we'll see later. Honestly, Mm -hmm. that's what he wants. So does that stretch you? It really stretches me. Do your current goals and expectations for your life and your ministry stretch? you? Mm -hmm. That's the question. Do they challenge your faith? You know, I I appreciate all the the surveys that everyone filled out. I didn't actually intend for everyone to reply all with the surveys back, but everyone did, which is great because now everyone can read each other's surveys and see it. I've read them over like three times, all of them. They're really, really great. If I were you, I'd print them out and just pray through each church, see if there's a place you can help, all that kind of stuff. But there were some common themes. For instance, what is your greatest need? You know what the common theme was? You focused on evangelism and needing more people. Something that you can believe but not see, right? More workers for the harvest field. There were some specific ones. And I don't think these guys will even mind this. Calgary said, we need a campus minister to hire Trained. To train and hire Trained person. Can't find one. Boise. Mike's like trained, funded. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Has a car. Uh, uh, Boise wants a youth and family minister, couple. Doesn't have one, can't find one.
1: They only have loops
0: of meeting campus interns. I think, raise your hand if you need campus interns. Course, yeah, uh, Fairbanks is looking for a single guy to hire. And then Winnipeg, I appreciate Dave's humility. Dave uh, wants to find someone that leads church. Because he wants to slide out. He doesn't feel like this is his gift right now. And there's a better gift for in conflict resolution and all the stuff he's doing. So he's like, Darren, if you know anybody, I need a church leader couple." Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, there's so many needs, right? Yeah. And then the theme, what could your church use? You guess what that theme was? Money. Mm-hmm. Funding. We don't have enough of it. So you're supposed to move forward, but the minute you start moving forward, you're just confronted with all these you don't have. Which begs the question, where's your faith then? What do you believe God can do, right? It forces us to have expectations that don't match our results, but really challenge God to show us how this is going to happen. Another thing I want us to do is invite evaluation and objectivity in your church. Mm -hmm. It really helps. We got to the point um, in Seattle, I talked about the elder walking away, but even before that, we lost one of the most visionary leaders our movement's ever seen. Mm -hmm. Our church was grieving over Scott's loss. Mm -hmm. Before that, Probably the most beloved region leader couple decided to get out in ministry. and had some had some things going on. In their family moved to the East Coast. Lots of transition, grief, and and this this spring I, they didn't say, it, but I could feel the church going. Hey, we need a pause. We need to refresh our values, our principles, all that stuff. And that is a tough thing to lead six hundred people through, right? Yeah, that's hard. So. God bless Lynn, Lynn Green just came up to me after one service and said, I got an idea. Lynn's full of ideas, they're awesome. (laughs) She said, why don't we bring Steve Staten? He's best friends with that elder. And he does these surveys to really help churches get, not just unstuck, but uh, figure out what the future should look like and how to even talk about the future, right? In a meaningful way, so we did that. It's been, by the way, that's terrifying too.
1: You know, because you always say,
0: yeah, you know, what do you see my church? And then when someone comes in, you're like, oh, man, really? You're here. <laughs> what are you doing here? <laughs> uh, we like objectivity until we're confronted. Objectivity, yeah. Right? yeah. So, uh, but it's been such a blessing. Mm-hmm. We talk about all kinds of things. There's more strengths than weaknesses. There's a real buy-in. There's people's voices. They're, they're repenting of things. There's this whole thing about conflict resolution and how we've We've not done it well for several years in our church, and so every week there's people apologizing to each other, getting with each other, repenting. It's really, really beautiful. I would invite you to do that. We can do that right here in this room by just inviting each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, if you think you don't need it, just go and ask your people. They might have a different answer. No. Really, I mean, because I, I didn't think we needed a galaxy to come in, but I think and then another thing is, go somewhere and find out what others are doing.
1: I told everyone
0: on email, if you want to go to that small church conference in May, there's two guys kind of making it happen out there, and they keep growing a lot. It's Joel P. and Rob Skinner. We'll have pay for it. If you don't have the money, don't let it stop you. Come talk to me. We'd love to bless some of our, our smaller churches by sending you out there, paying for your registration. I can't tell you I'll pay for the whole thing, but we'll try. But just go find someone that's doing it. Sometimes it's not even in here, because we're all not doing stuff together. But there's maybe someone out there that can inform, and you can go back and go, hey, learn some stuff. Wow, I want to share it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome. Ask things of God you haven't done in a long time. Ask Him to stretch your faith. Ask things of your people that challenge them. This is going to sound super challenging, but if funding is our the thing we don't have the most, what stops you from going back and just saying, guys, we need to give well, because i i don't want to do another ask. you know what put it to the test this year we did something and i would actually suggest you guys do it but you don't have to it's just what seattle did we went through this book called the treasure principle yeah and let me tell you we in the icoc could write a series on giving and make it as hard line as we want it wouldn't even match this book i read this book and i was literally terrified were you out i was like oh my gosh You know, there's stories there are people giving their whole paycheck, selling a house. Uh, And this isn't in our movement. This is the evangelical movement. Selling his house and giving all of it to the church. You know, like, yeah, we're not doing that. Um, And just this kingdom mindset about your money. We took the church through it. The minute we took the church through it, and we got online giving, if you're still writing checks and throwing 20 bucks on the plate, your giving's low. Get you know, online giving. It shoots up. It really does. Because the millennials aren't writing checks or throwing money in the plate. Yeah. They're not. They're like, how do I give? you don't know how to give. It's weird. I Didn't know that. So I learned that. But our giving went up. And let me just tell you, Seattle is the second most expensive to live city to live in in the United States. The only, the only one that's still more expensive, real estate wise, is San Francisco and we're like almost ready to take them over. It's witheringly expensive to have a house. I mean, I look at these things over here. Uh, I don't know, $20, dollars billion in Seattle. I have no idea. I mean, just a billion? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my street my street has these little shacks and they're like 950. Vancouver's probably worse. I'm I talking US, man. Vancouver probably is the whole world. <laughs> And all I hear is people going, it's expensive, I'm strapped, i got kids in college, kids all over the place. And so it's just not really easy to go to the church and say, I want to challenge you to give more. But then, this book talks about if you don't do that, you rob them of the glory of greater financial sacrifice by your low level of faith. So I tried it. Seriously. And we tried it and we've asked them to give more and our giving went from $24,000 a week at the beginning of this last year to almost, this is just for the year, there's trends in the next year or two almost $30,000 a week well, in one year just really laying it out really leading the way, really talking about financial stewardship and sacrifice it's pretty remarkable and then, then we don't have a huge church, but we went to the Missions Contribution, and our goal was $180,000, and it's, it's, it's been 180000 every year. It's terrifying, too, to think about asking people to give that much, a lot. And what we wanted to do even more, we wanted to help Bellingham, we wanted, there's things we wanted to do that, that we were just like, so what I did was I just went to a, a people that don't have a lot of money, but they, they have good money, but they're strapped, they live in Seattle, and I just tried it. I said, look, you don't have to do this. And This was the day of missions. You don't have to do this, but if whatever you pledged, if God's moving on your heart, if you could give another 500 just pledge another $500, guess what we could do? And I just did a little math right there on the podium, even though I'm not good at math. I <laughs> when the tally was totaled, it was an extra $30,000 pledged that day. and. When we did the survey, we asked some money, we asked some questions about money, and one person out of almost 600 said, I was a little offended by the ask. Everyone else was like, I'm so inspired. Wow. So, I don't know. I just, I've got to step out there. What if you went back to your church and says we have we have lots of needs and very little resources? Could you dig deeper? Could you this year give double what you're given now? They're not gonna fire you. I mean, the, someone might advocate that, one guy maybe, but. <laughs> most people if you lay it out biblically will be really inspired yeah. and maybe actually surprise you i mean david's got people throwing cash at him for the yeah. youth they don't even think there's people like <laughs> that out there yes. but there are yes. yeah. where it starts with our faith though we don't believe it's going to happen it ain't yeah okay yeah. enough on the given right yeah um, the last thing is i am sick and tired in seattle Of having a low level of baptisms. It's just me. I'm not talking about your church. We had 25 last year. We have, I think, 29 as of today, and maybe 30 as of Saturday. It's still not enough. It's it's especially since almost all those 30 aren't married people. So I'm just really trying, been trying to do forever, solve the marriage ministry dilemma, right? And then I'm just reading a book for my own edification, and I, I, I think I got it. I'm going to ask my people to do something that's really going to stretch. I read this book. It's written by these two guys. They lead the church in Austin, Texas, I think. Um, the Simplest Way to Change the World. Biblical Hospitality. And I couldn't even get 20 pages in before I was like, I doubt I'm even a Christian, honestly. <laughs> this is so accessible and so convicting. And here's what these guys say. I read some hospitality books, too, that that almost want you to become Amish to be hospitable. I, I kind of didn't read those. This is a much more contemporary, I don't have to drive a horse and carriage for this one. I can actually <laughs> live in Seattle. But these guys basically basically said, if your people would just see their neighborhood as a mission field yeah. and just have an intentional plan for it and just do all these things and just open up their hearts and their homes and be hospitable without an agenda and all this, kind. that's what the book's about. You will see an abundant, uh, harvest in your church, mm-hmm. and so I gave all the book. I gave the book to all my Bible talk leaders a couple weeks ago, and they're already emailing me like, "Whoa, wow!" I mean, it's it's amazing because it's very very accessible. But I believe we're going to be fruitful in our marriage ministry, probably more next year than we ever have. And definitely if you go two or three years, because Alex reminded us yesterday, sometimes it takes seven years for people to get baptized. Yeah. So don't judge a marriage ministry based on one. Yeah. But I have, I'm, I'm gonna, in fact, I'm going to stand up and tell my church, your new mission field, you are a missionary, and it's your neighborhood, and here's what we're going to do, and we're going to have some healthy accountability for it. And even though I'm terrified about doing that, they're probably going to respond really well because they're great-hearted the people. But I just want to have expectations that I don't have now and stop standing around complaining about it and being frozen, and actually just try something. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Come on, Darren. What are you gonna do? We're gonna break up your discussion here in about two minutes. There's one more thing that I want you to think about that I think will help, that, that's come up already in the surveys and people have asked me already now. Everybody, I think even what I'm talking about, we all agree with, we could have written the same stuff, we know it, but I think everyone needs partnership and mentorship and just someone to walk with. We used to have these prayer partners in the Northwest. Someone emailed and said, I think we need those again. And I think we do. I don't know how to do that. But I think we need two things. One, we need intentional partners in the Northwest. I'm really grateful that we're hooking up by church size because that may help us know how to do that better in in a way that makes sense, like you're really working on the same stuff. Um, But also, I think each church or church leader maybe needs to partner up with someone who's been where you've been, where you are now. Mm. A fellow traveler that's just farther down the road, well, like for instance, I'm, I was looking for a couple years for who could we ask to mentor us in Seattle, and I asked Todd saw um, Seattle, Texas, for sure, and Todd's super Texas and I'm super Seattle, but not too long ago, his church was the same size as mine, and now it's double the size. Wow.
1: So I'm not going, Todd, tell me what to do. I'm going to do
0: all of it. But I'm like, Todd, let me pick your brain about this. Let me pick your brain about that. We're bringing him into Seattle next year. What do you see that maybe you saw this size that we're not seeing? All these things. Maybe you need to pick someone outside of the Northwest and say, hey, I'm going to call you if it's okay, once every week or two, and I really want some training on where, how I can get my church to where you are now. I think we need that. Mm. We need intentional prayer partners, and we need some mentors. Okay, for your discussion groups, I've said a lot. We take about 20, 25 minutes. Ask these questions, and then we'll split up. Um, What terrifies you? Right now, what terrifies you? What are you looking at going, yeah, no. Wow, I feel like running backwards, or just sitting down? Um, and then where is your where are your faith and expectations right now? I think that's a good question. And about overall this, you know, what do you need in order to move forward? Boldly? The examples I mentioned are just my examples. We all have different churches. We all ride differently. We all have different struggles. But what does it maybe look like for you and your people? And, and then we'll meet back. Let's meet back about five after 12. Um take a little break we're gonna jump into 2.1 stuff but uh, thanks for listening. thanks for listening to the bend icoc podcast